0: Hello Steven.
1: Hello Erica. Did you know we only discovered this when we were um editing and naming our episode yesterday, which is part 2 of the Time Mendler, that that was our 50th episode of Lazy Doctor Who?
0: That's right. We didn't notice until we were posting it. That that's a lot.
1: That is a lot. How many episodes of Doctor Who have we watched?
0: Far more than 50.
1: Like 80 or 9 plus this new series.
0: This podcast is called Lazy Doctor Who. I sure. assume there would be no math.
1: <laughs> I wonder if anyone has actually uh, compiled an episode guide of which episodes we cover because uh, there's been some where we've watched I think three at most I think. Mm-hmm. Um, today we're watching two uh, mm-hmm. the last two episodes of of not only the Time medlic but of season two mm-hmm. of Doctor Who Oh
0: my God, we're done with season two. yeah, that's exciting.
1: It's sad too, in a way, isn't it?
0: Why is it sad?
1: Well, it's mostly sad because this is where the confidence that the image will be watching will be moving. <laughs> um, okay. And now begins the, uh, the long slogs of the recons.
0: Okay, yes, it's sad.
1: Yeah. What did you think of the, uh, the last two episodes of this?
0: I I quite like them. They seem to move along pretty swiftly, and the cliffhanger at the end of episode three is one of my favorite Doctor Who cliffhangers of all time. I mean, I don't think it probably even packs as much punch for me as it did for people watching through for the first time back in the 60s because, I mean, I grew up knowing that there were other Time Lords out there. Not that these guys are called Time Lords at this point, but um, knowing that there were other TARDISes and and that sort of thing. Whereas just the, the excitement of discovering, you know, The Doctor has been such a cipher. He's a great big question mark. And here's somebody else who has the same sort of stuff that he has, only better because, hey, it's a Mark IV. Mm -hmm. And just walking in and realizing it's another TARDIS, what an amazing, amazing moment. I can't imagine having to wait that whole week <laughs> after that cliffhanger um, for the kids to be like, who is he, who is he? And they still don't give you a ton of information about where they're from or anything, you just get a little bit of uh, a measuring contest coming up with the, uh, you know, the Mark IV versus Doctor's <laughs> Doctor's uh, version, which he won't even say what it is, so.
1: Mark III, I think, is probably what, I don't know, would they have settled on Mark III or would it have been...
0: I, he said it was 50 years different so who knows i mean maybe it was a mark ii or a mark I or something yeah. completely different i mean we know now it's a type 40 but mm-hmm. who knows how that fits into the mark system
1: maybe it wasn't uh, maybe they changed it later on so we're, we're seeing too much into this mm-hmm. as you know and we look at the, that the cliffhanger is like oh wow like like retrospectively, it's a huge thing Mm -hmm. For Doctor Who to have like all of a sudden now it's another person just like the Doctor traveling around except not being evil. Mm -hmm. Just sort of like, hey, wouldn't it be neat if, you know, Mm -hmm. like sort of like changing things to see what would happen.
0: He's not only just what if to see what would happen. He is honestly trying to make things better the way that he sees it. Mm. Because, you know, he's got a point. There were a lot of wars that kept happening over France and and all that. Thanks to William the Conqueror's win. But... I mean, the thing that he doesn't really take into account is that, so what? So if he would have beaten back William the Conqueror, uh, there still could have been plenty of of tragedy and all kinds of stuff happening. I mean, his idea was that he would hang around and help them out and help them build jets by 1322 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean... it's interesting that yes it's not evil for the sake of evil it's not even really evil it's just it's mischief and it's mischief you know i think it it comes off that he is more sort of rationalizing it by saying that he's helping he just really wants to to sort of have some control and and yeah see what happens
1: he's basically just sort of kind of like like playing civilization on his (laughs) yes on his old amiga Mm -hmm.
0: only with real people instead of Pixels.
1: Yes, but to him, Mm -hmm. a Time Lord, or or one of the Doctor's race, Mm -hmm. it's just like a video game for him.
0: They didn't even say, you come from the same planet. It was just, you come from the same place, was the line. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who knows what that was at the time either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder what the kids and and the viewers back then thought of, like, you know, we we look at it as, oh, wow, it's the first, you know, step into this huge world of time lords. But back then, it probably was like, oh, cool, he's got a time ship too. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we only ever really saw, like, the only time. Technically, the Daleks had one too. It was bigger on the inside than the Mm -hmm. outside as well. Um, So. You know, It's almost like it establishes in Doctor Who that time machines are, by their na- very nature, bigger on the inside than on the outside.
0: I don't think it establishes any such thing. It establishes no. that these time machines are bigger on the yeah. inside than on the outside. But that doesn't mean that there couldn't be others out there that that aren't. Or that there could be, you know, dimensionally transcendent ships that just move in space and not time.
1: There's That's, nothing limited. No, but it's sort of kind of... Um, it's a limited uh, selection of time machines, you understand. So, you, you know, you could draw, you could start drawing a pattern, perhaps, in this universe that Doctor Who is in. That's what time ships are. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I like that um, this is the first of the pseudo-historical, mm-hmm. is what received wisdom has called these sort of ones, where it's not just a pure historical, mm-hmm. where the Doctor and his companions are the only um, science fiction elements in the middle of pure historical Mm -hmm. events um but oh thunder Mm -hmm. i know thunderstorm going on it's cool um but i like that this story has the time meddler the monk in it and he's meddling in time as the story would suggest but it also adheres to the original remit of historical stories by being educational you know, we learned about what happened with um, the invasion of Normandy and the Battle of Hastings in 1066 and everything that led up to it. Mm-hmm. So it taught us and it entertained us. It edutained us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally did. And I, it, it's very interesting looking back at this episode now... Um, you know, we we were looking at the uh, the Aztecs with the doctor saying you can't change history, not one line. And we get another sort of scene, only this time it's, it's Vicky, and it you know Vicky has probably picked up a lot of this from the doctor, but it looks like you know to a great extent she's just sort of puzzling through things and explaining to Stephen again, which is really really cool. Uh, that you know, well none those those textbooks. Oh, that was lightning and thunder. Was cool. <laughs> I saw the light. I don't know if the microphone picked it up, but trust us yeah. you guys. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um but yeah, so like the textbooks haven't been written yet, so they'll just, you know, write the version that's she says the new version, but really that the version that happens, that's always happened in, in time if, if the monk succeeds. And, you know, she said also the interesting thing that she said was, I suppose our memories will change too. Which that's that's not that's just a companion guessing at what's mm-hmm. going to happen. So there's nothing specifically canonical about that as a rule. But I I like the idea that that's, that's the conclusion that she drew.
1: It is neat. They've rarely actually sat down and sort of discussed the meaning of time travel and things that can be changed like that. It's some um, interesting little direction for the show and one we never really see again <laughs> for the rest of the history of the show. Yeah. But it's fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was neat, and I, it was a nice moment between between her and, and Stephen, and, and I do like how throughout the course of this whole story, he really not only has come to accept that, yes, it's a time machine, but accept that Vicky knows more about what's going on than he does. There, there's a one point where they um, have discovered that the TARDIS is gone and are heading back towards the monastery, I think, or maybe it was when they're heading to the TARDIS, but... Um, but Steven says, okay, you lead the way. Like he just you know, you go first, because mm-hmm. you obviously know what you're doing and what's going on. And I like that. He doesn't he doesn't make a big deal of it. I mean, at first he assumes that she doesn't know stuff because she's a kid and he just he doesn't believe any of the, the stuff about traveling in space and time. But as soon as he recognizes that she does know better than him, he's fine with it. He doesn't get huffy. He doesn't try to, you know, make himself feel better by putting her down. He's just like, all right, this is the person who knows. So I'm going to follow. I love that.
1: It is nice. And it's sad because this story here is pretty much the only time we get to see, well, we only get to see it all really, Mm -hmm. um, this doctor companion and companion team, because things in season three really start to kind of, the season of change that season all mm-hmm. sorts of change happening behind the scenes and in front of the scenes and so yeah this nice little 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 second time team that they'd set up is is looks like yay off to the future just like the optimistic you know images in the closing credits there and they're all sort of looking out into space and sort of go Ooh, let's go and travel and stuff and yeah it wasn't to be
0: I guess I wouldn't know because I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, I know sort of like the rough outlines, but mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of a lot of what's to come is going to be new to me. At least you know the details of it, and yeah, I had forgotten even despite seeing having seen this story a number of times, I had forgotten about their weird faces like hovering in space and looking out all arty. Uh, I I guess I can understand wanting to do something special for the end of the season, but I had to just turn to you and be like, "Is it the end of season two? Because I really don't get the point of this. What is happening?
1: Yeah, special little thing. They did uh, a similar thing at the end of the of Terror at the end of season one, mm-hmm. where this, you know they, our our destinies in the stars. We have to go search for it. That sort of thing yep. on the starfield background. Mm-hmm. I think this is the only two times that they've uh, done a special little end of season kind of image like that. We don't get we don't really see it throughout the. Rest of the '60s. Spoiler mm. alert.
0: I am so spoiled.
1: Yeah. Is that it? Uh, is that it for the time medal then?
0: Um. I mean, we haven't really talked about Peter Tuddenham as the. Is uh, that his name? Peter Butterworth. Butterworth.
1: Peter Tuddenham is the he voice of Orac and Zen <laughs> in Blake Seven.
0: Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I like him. Um, but no, as as the monk, I think it's uh, his. People are. People always speak very glowingly of his performance, and I think that it is well-earned. I mean, part of it might be because it's one of the few things that we can now see mm-hmm. <laughs> from back then, so that's why he always gets talked about. But I think, uh, despite some over-the-top moments between him and the Doctor, it's still it's still pretty good. Actually, the Doctor does have some moments in this that, that really harken back to the annoying, grumpy Doctor that I disliked so much early on in the first season, um, his he doesn't I hate that he doesn't explain himself very well in moments of in moments where he could right. and where there is potential danger like you know if you're running around and you need to do things fast fine i understand not explaining or if you're just being a weird alien doctor and yeah say want to say i'll explain later that's fine unless there's there's something dangerous happening so like when he's trying to pull the uh whatever dimensional stabilizer thing mm. from the monk's TARDIS. He doesn't really make it clear that what he's doing is, is any more dangerous than anything else he does because his grumpy level is just always so high. Right. And, then, and then he's making... Uh, anyway, so that, that scene was annoying. There's one other one I can't remember off the top of my head that just kind of bugged me.
1: He was just, you know, it's, it was a delicate operation, as he said, and the children were bothering him. So he wound that mm-hmm. out of his hair. And so he's sort of casting them out. Plus, if he if he would have explained anything, um, then we would have been lost the the reveal of the monk's Tardis being mm-hmm. being shrunk in size.
0: Oh, I remember what bothered me. Right. Oh, but first of all, uh, well, I mean, he should have just said, "I am about to do something that's very delicate and dangerous. Right. Don't get too close." Instead, he waits until Vicky almost puts her nose in it, and then tells her to back up.
1: No, she, he actually said, "You know, so don't get, don't stick your nose in there, Vicky." promptly sticks her nose oh, in there okay. literally her nose yeah okay so you might have missed that
0: all right i guess i didn't uh didn't quite see how that played out no but the thing that bothered me the most was when he writes the letter to the monk you know in full view of 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 them and then uh, and then won't let them see what he says mm-hmm. like they never actually find out what he did to the monk's tardis i just think that that's incredibly rude and childish and boo
1: doctor well because in 1960s TV subtlety was you know a a skill not yet conquered uh and so if they would have seen it then the obvious you know tv thing to do would be to react to it or say what they had just seen or something and so if they don't see it then they don't have anything to say about it
0: i understand wanting that i mean the reveal of the monk seeing it and and us seeing it at that time for the first time is great. So I wouldn't want to, you know, wouldn't want that. But, you know, actually, if we would have gotten the classic doctor line, I'll explain later or here, I'll tell you on the way, then that would have been fine with me. Like, I didn't need them to tell, I didn't need him to tell them right, right in front of us. But the fact that he's just like, oh, I don't, you know, don't be n- nosing into people's personal correspondence, whatever, doctor, I'm sorry, personal correspondence,
1: Understand that this I'll explain later thing mm-hmm. had yet to come around.
0: I know, I know, but th- obviously the doctor being a jerk thing mm-hmm. was there already.
1: Yes, because that was in the character outline. Mm-hmm. He was just sort of short and bad-tempered, and that I mean, that that was that was his character.
0: I know, just not for me. I
1: understand. Mm-hmm. Hope you're liking this so far.
0: I'm enjoying watching it overall. The doctor tends to be my least favorite character, but yeah, yeah. oh yeah still is i mean there he has moments where i enjoy especially with vicky i like like a lot of his interaction with vicky but uh yeah this this is not a story where i love him so his interactions with the monk too like just very very goofy lots of close-ups on him sticking out his lower lip like a like a pouty child it's just too much for me
1: the doctor's harsh character is thrown into sharp relief against the monk's Mm -hmm. comedic sort of goofy you know baffling what's the word i'm looking for mm-hmm.
0: i don't know he's sort of laid back
1: laid back laid back uh, roguish charm i don't know what he is but mm-hmm. you know peter butterworth being one of the carry-on members he was on a few few of those films so he's got that sort of comedic thing so naturally the doctor is sort of playing straight against that because mm-hmm. you know he's not doing the comedy in this he's he has to like appear even more deadly straight because of the main adversary of this whole piece is just a bumbling little fool who just likes to, mm. you know, stick the stick a, stick in the red ants to the black ants. So,
0: I wouldn't say he's a fool or no, even actually was... bumbling. His master plan is pretty well carried out, as That's you mentioned true. while we were watching it. He's yeah. got spreadsheets, even you know, <laughs> he's got a checklist.
1: Yep, he's got Excel. Mm. Bumbling fool was uh, was bad. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have used that word. But you know, mm-hmm. that kind of carefree, very troutnesque. I find actually, it's funny that. Um, as we get ahead there, uh, when when Patrick Troughton takes over, it's actually Dennis Spooner who helps craft the character of the second Doctor, even though he wasn't um, working on the show officially anymore. It was him who sort of like, you know, gave it a bit of a brush and sort of to see what this new character like. You look at how the monk looks visually and how he kind of behaves. It's mm-hmm. not entirely unlike Patrick Troughton, is he?
0: no and i i thought that actually myself i i noticed that so yeah that is interesting uh dennis spooner your interest your influence is everywhere
1: yeah there's a lot to answer for this dennis spooner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that it then mm-hmm. okay um next episode we rarely get to tease next yeah. episodes but we're gonna watch uh next episode it won't be galaxy four the first story of season one uh season three w- season three sorry we're going to series one because Verity has homework to do, and when Verity has homework to do, we have podcasting to do. So we're going to watch series one, mm-hmm. episode seven, the Long Game. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that is on the schedule for as soon as we're done recording this. Okay.
1: So expect another episode fairly soonish. Hooray! <laughs> it's a mini marathon of lazy okay. Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You know. what's the What's the website do you remember offhand the computer's all the way over there and I don't feel like touching it for the, uh, the incomparable.com slash members is that what it is
0: I think so I think it's the incomparable.com slash members plural I believe it's members with an S yep
1: we had a prepared script last episode we could barely <laughs> compel ourselves to look at the computer in front of us mm-hmm. to check at this episode you know why because
0: we're lazy we're lazy mm-hmm. okay bye bye you. <laughs>